0: We have so much evidence that shows that your overall dietary pattern is what is most important to reducing your risk of cancer and cancer mortality. And that overall dietary pattern is one that is rich in whole plant foods.
1: Welcome to the exam room podcast brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for raising your health IQ with us coast to coast in the U.S. and in more than 150 countries. Hi to everyone listening in Daytona Beach, Florida, Galveston, Texas, and Tamarindo, Costa Rica. Wherever you are, we appreciate you helping to make the world a healthier place. This is episode 66 of season 5, number 365 overall. And today, we will be talking about the foods that can help to fight and prevent cancer. It is a fact that more than 1.7 million people will be diagnosed with this insidious disease this year alone in the United States. But there are foods that you can eat that can help to lower your risk and even improve your chances of recovery. And so you are going to learn today how to fine-tune your diet, fine-tune it to reduce your risk of becoming one of those 1.7 million people receiving that life-altering diagnosis. And teaching us how to eat, what we should be stocking up on, and what we want to avoid is dietitian Karen Smith. She joined me on The Exam Room Live this week. And before we start, I have a few more numbers that I would like to share here that really underscore the urgency of today's conversation. According to the World Health Organization, up to 50% of all cancer cases can be prevented by what is known as modifiable risk factors. Things like smoking and drinking, obesity, and of course what we eat so we're talking about up to 50% and 50% of 1.7 million is 850,000 that is a steep drop 850,000 fewer cases and so today we are going to be putting that focus squarely on the food We're going to be playing red light, green light with nutrition. What are the foods that cause cancer and what are the foods that can help prevent it? Karen has those answers and we'll be opening up the dietitian's mailbag, answering questions that were sent in by the exam roomies who joined us live. And remember, we do the exam room live every Wednesday, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on YouTube and on Facebook. So we'll be getting answers to questions that were sent in by Lindsay, who was wondering which foods are most likely to cause cancer. And Tanya, who was wondering whether all fruits and vegetables offer the same level of protection. Rose, wondering how protective grains and legumes can be. Nicole questioning beans are any more protective than others, and Robin wondering about calcium and whether having too little of it in her diet can actually lead to an increased risk for cancer. Those questions and many, many more. So let's get to those answers right now. Let's talk cancer and reducing our risk with dietitian Karen Smith. Karen, thanks for being here.
0: Yeah. Hey, Chuck. Happy to be here.
1: It's good to see you again coming off of uh, ICNM last week. That was quite the conference. And I know cancer was among the hot topics there. So I'm glad that we're going to be able to have this conversation today. Um, I want to start with a question from Lindsay, who was wondering what are the foods that are most likely to cause cancer?
0: Yeah, Lindsay, great question. Um, I would love to focus on three in particular. Um, A lot of research um, in nutrition shows that certain foods are associated with an increased risk of cancer, but there are some foods that there is a causal relationship. So the first is processed meats. Um, They are a group one carcinogen. So that means there's sufficient evidence that they cause cancer specifically colorectal cancer and possibly stomach cancer. So a lot of times people are like, what what are processed meats? Um, And as defined by the World Health Organization, they are meats that have been transformed through salting, curing, fermentation, smoking, or other processes to enhance flavor or improve preservation. And they include hot dogs, deli or lunch meats, sausages, bacon, corned beef, beef jerky. And really for every 50 grams of processed meat eaten daily, so that's about the amount in one hot dog, um, increases colorectal cancer risk by 18%. All right. So that's a real concern, especially since, you know, I'm always thinking, um, This time of year, a lot of kids are going back to school. I, you know, see my own children's school lunch menu and breakfast menu and and other school districts. And it's just astounding to me that these processed meats um, show up on the menu oftentimes every single day in some form. Uh, The second uh, group of foods is red meat. And this includes beef, pork, lamb, and goat. And red meats are a group 2A carcinogen, which means they are probably carcinogenic to humans. Okay, so we have um, evidence from epidemiological studies showing positive associations between eating red meat and developing colorectal cancer, uh, as well as strong mechanistic evidence. And then lastly is alcohol. So alcohol uh, is classified by the World Health Organization as a definitive human breast cancer carcinogen, and that regarding breast cancer, no amount is safe. Uh, A study published in the Lancet uh, Oncology in 2021, which was led by scientists from the International Agency for Research on Cancer, or the IARC, showed that an estimated 7 for 741,000 new cases of cancer in 2020 were associated with alcohol consumption globally. So these are the three foods that we know are known to cause cancer. Many others, you know, as we keep going with our conversation, you know, we'll, we'll talk more about things that are associated with cancer risk.
1: So, you know, you're talking about uh, group 2A with uh, red meat and then class one, which is the processed meats. I'm wondering, though, like if the worst of the worst then could be something like a processed meat that is a red meat, like potentially beef jerky, right? So you've got probable and you've got known, and you put those together, and what you got there is an unfortunate super cancer combo. We may not know the exact answer to that, but would that be you know, and a hypothesis worth exploring at least?
0: I don't, I don't even know if it's worth exploring, <laughs> To be quite honest, they both seem really dangerous to me, you know, to be putting on our plates. Um, and honestly, when it comes to cancer, risk um i really like to take a big picture approach right we have so much evidence as as we'll talk about more that shows that you know your overall dietary pattern is what is most important to reducing your risk of cancer and cancer mortality right and that overall dietary pattern is one that is rich in whole plant foods um you know specifically all the foods we always talk about on the show that are um, the categories on our power plate, you know, fruits, vegetables, legumes, whole grains. I'd also throw, you know, nuts and seeds in that category, specifically flax seeds. Um, And really other than that, like, you know, I think sometimes what happens is that people get maybe a little bit too hyper-focused on um, one specific nutrient, a vitamin, an antioxidant, you know, and how do you get in that one thing when really it's taking this, this, bigger picture and having a variety and, um, uh, um, you know, the overall dietary pattern is what's most important and removing certain foods are severely limiting them in your diet and making the vast majority or entirety of what you eat whole plant foods.
1: So here's a question though, you talk about nuts and seeds, which do have uh, fat in them and we know that obesity is certainly a risk factor for cancer and a slew of other other uh, of other chronic illnesses. What's the balance there as far as making sure that you get the health benefits of those nuts and seeds while still not going overboard?
0: Yeah, you know, uh, flax seeds in particular would make my list of, you know, if, if you wanted to have a list of anti-cancer foods, um, there's lots of, you know, studies showing that they offer um, you know, some, uh, that there is a reduced risk of, of cancer with uh, flaxseed consumption. And that said, like a small amounts, right? So another thing about seeds that I love um, to recommend to people, as opposed to maybe nuts like cashews and pistachios, um, is that seeds are not foods that people tend to to binge eat, right? I've I, especially like flax seeds and chia seeds. I've never heard someone say like, oh yeah, you know, I have cravings for when I'm, you know, stressed out, I go reach for the bag of chia seeds, right? So these are foods that, you know, if you're asking someone to like include them into their dietary pattern in amounts of, you know, one or two tablespoons a day, like totally doable without having that desire to, you know, put your hand in the bag and keep on snacking the way that some people... You know, myself included, I think nuts are delicious. You know, it's easy to keep on filling up on, on those foods that are very calorie dense. So, things like flax seeds and chia seeds, which are, um, you know, have, have uh, lignans that are shown to help reduce cancer risk and also a great source of omega 3 fats, would be my way to include them in your diet um, without, you know, having a, an excessive amount of calories.
1: Such an important conversation that we're having here today, uh, as evidenced by Cara Devro, who's joining us all the way in Sydney, Australia, watching live right now, where it's 2 a.m. All right. So, I mean, this is an important conversation that we're having, Karen, today. So thank you very much for helping to raise our health IQs on the best possible level. Um, important question here from Tanya. So we're talking about whole food, plant-based uh, diet, those foods really offering a great deal of protection. But Tanya's wondering whether... All fruits and all vegetables offer that same level of protection.
0: Yeah, I'd say hmm, not, maybe not exactly. Right. So all fruits and vegetables are going to contribute to our overall consumption of them and our fiber intake for the day. And both of those things are important for reducing cancer risk, right? Like we know the more fruits and vegetables people consume, that's protective um, or offers a a reduced risk of cancer as does higher fiber in the diet. I'd say there are some specific foods that, you know, I'd say, again, like if I were to make a list, they appear to be extra protective, right? So those um, foods specifically would be foods from the Allium family, like garlic and onions and shallots and leeks. And I feel like these are so wonderful um, in the sense that they offer so much flavor to the foods that we're making, too, and really easy to just, you know, throw into almost anything, right? So chopping up some onions or garlic and throwing them into whatever it is that you might be sauteing or, you know, even raw onions on a salad simple to work into, uh, your daily routine, cruciferous vegetables. So things like kale, broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, cabbage. Um, these are also some foods that I'd say in studies show like some real benefit to including in your diet in terms of reducing cancer risk. Um, I would also include berries and mushrooms, dark green leafy vegetables and, um, and or your orange veggies. So those that are uh, particularly high in carotenoids. So, you know, we're coming into pumpkin season, right? So maybe making some pumpkin muffins um, to get the, that bright orange color in there or, or butternut squash, sweet potatoes. And outside of the fruit and veggie world, um, you know, I'd also want to give like a special shout out to, again, the flax seeds. Green tea, which has been shown to help reduce risk of breast cancer specifically, uh, soy. Uh, we heard a lot about soy at the recent uh, international conference on nutrition and medicine, and absolutely, you know, um, reduces the risk of. Cancer and, and, you know, we might talk about that a little bit more as something that often people are afraid to include in their diet because they've been given um, information that's that's not quite true. Um, and I would also throw turmeric on there.
1: Shout out to the spices. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Spices, I always love to give uh, props to the spices. Um, you know, they're there to add some great flavor to our food. And really, you know, if you think about it, turmeric's a root. You know, it's a plant and we're just taking it and we're grinding it down. If you're using um, that form of of the spice, you can also buy the actual root um, and use that in your cooking or throw a bit of that in a, in a smoothie if you want. Um But certainly these spices are quite potent um, in antioxidants. And what a great way to just, you know, increase the nutritional value of, of your meal by including things like turmeric or curry powder, you know, cinnamon, ginger. All of them are wonderful.
1: You know, what gets me jazzed up is you, I mean, you just rattled off so many different options, but you led with onions and my wife and I cannot stand it. Like we think that onions are kind of God's joke on the culinary world. Can't stand them. The only time I ever semi enjoyed an onion was a bloomin' onion way back in the day from Outback before I cleaned up my diet. Of course, you can't even taste <sighs> the onion at that point. It's just fried. But so but you rattled off so many different options. And so I guess my point here is that, you know, as you're working with patients, Karen, and they come up to you say, well, yeah, I hear you, but I really don't like that specific food. I mean, how important is it that they try to force a food into their diet if they just can't stand it? Or, you know, do you work with them to find all of those other options that you were just talking about?
0: Yeah, exactly. Like the, the, you don't have to eat all of these foods. Obviously, you know, lots of people don't like um, everything on this list. That's okay. You know, overall, I want the take home message to be like, include a wide variety of fruits and vegetables in your diet, you know, choose different colors of produce. You often hear, you know, the saying, eat the rainbow, but that's such a great way of, you know, having a variety of foods that have different types of antioxidants. And, you know, plants are just, you know, these really interesting um, things in my opinion that I feel like we don't we don't fully understand all of the compounds, how they work synergistically, you know. And so, again, just having a variety, it's okay if you don't like all of them. Um, there's certainly, you know, so many options within the plant kingdom. And, you know, that's exactly what I say to families, Chuck. You know, what, I want to make this fun for people. I want to make it accessible. I want it to be simple. You know, find the, the foods that you and your family enjoy and have a good time with it
1: i more exam roomy roll call here really quick. Uh, Ian checking in from Norway, more international feel. I want also want to say hi to Mona and Anton and Dave and Karen. Mommy Vegan Nummy, that's a fun name. Love it when she checks in. Hi to you, uh, Annette. So many great people hanging out in the chat room with us right now. Um, I want to take a question from TM Peoples at 1204. Karen, you mentioned alcohol as a risk factor a little bit earlier on. TM Peoples is wondering whether a whole food plant-based diet can negate or at least reduce the cancer risk that is associated with alcohol consumption.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I don't know that 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 study has been done right or nor yeah so um, however I would say you know I always put it out there to people especially when they ask about specific foods right like so in this case with the alcohol I'd say it's not something necessary right we don't need it to be healthy um, so wouldn't recommend it to anyone to ever include in their diet and yeah with every choice we make there's kind of this risk-reward benefit, knowing that um, the World Health Organization has said, like, it it does cause breast cancer and no no amount is safe. I feel like that's my message to people and allowing them to, you know, make an informed choice based on their other lifestyle choices, right? We know um, a plant-based diet certainly um, reduces risk of cancer, you know, as does physical activity and, you know, the way that we respond to stress in our lives and restorative sleep. So really allowing people to take in all this information, you know, have have evidence um, and, and good information to make the decisions that that are um, going to be best for them. But I, I have to stress that, you know, as the World, Organ- World Health Organization says, no amount is safe.
1: So, I want to go to this notion now that people think that the leaner a food is, the healthier it is. And that does include uh, meat. Specifically here a question from Ebony wondering whether lean red meat is as unhealthy as something like a really marbled fatty steak.
0: This kind of reminds me like I guess my mind is going in the direction of 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 thinking like that's sort of like asking if if filtered cigarettes are uh, unhealthy as filtered cigarettes, right? Like all red meat is categorized as a group 2A carcinogen. No matter how, you know, how lean it is, they are all in that category.
1: And let's uh, flip from red to white here. We have a uh, Sara here. Can white meat cause cancer? What do we know about an association there if there is one?
0: Yeah, so there's no causal relationship, I would say, right, that um, chicken, for example, causes cancer. However, uh, you know, research certainly shows reduced cancer risk for those people eating a plant-based dietary pattern, right? So again, it is, you know, that that would include removing all sources of animal protein from the diet or um, limiting them to very small quantities, Um, you know, of course, I'm going to say doing that, um, you know, 100% plant-based diet um, and and getting out all of the animal protein, Um, because one of the things we know is that grilling and frying and broiling meats, including chicken, including fish, you know, those white meats that are often labeled as lean, that in the process of doing that, um, carcinogenic compounds known as heterocyclic amines form in in those meats. And um, so so that's one reason right there. Um, Another is that insulin-like growth factor Um, IGF one is something that as a child is good to, to have, we need that it, it promotes growth. And as we get older, we no longer need these high levels of IGF one circulating in our blood. We know that there's an increased risk of higher levels of, um, uh, when there are higher levels of IGF one, that there's greater risk for certain types of cancer, and that eating all types of animal protein increases uh, the production of IGF one, um, and and so that's another reason right there that even though you know some of these meats are are, are uh, classified as lean, I would you know proceed with caution for sure.
1: And so here's an interesting question then that was sent in by Ken, and this was sent in on Instagram and Ken then is saying, well, look, why then do certain nutrition guidelines given to cancer patients then include meat in the diet? And he even went so far as to send some specific language that was sent, uh, that is posted on the national cancer Institute's website. Um, telling patients, quote, to choose lean meats such as lean beef, pork, trimmed to fat, and poultry such as chicken or turkey without the skin. Also saying choose low-fat milk products and then eat less fat, only small amounts of butter, mayonnaise, desserts, and fried foods. So dairy's in the diet. We haven't yet talked about that, but meat certainly then is suggested there. And you just made that wonderful analogy of, you know, filtered versus unfiltered cigarettes. What's the big Difference there. So, I guess, is there any sort of clarity that you can offer to Ken here?
0: Yeah, you know, I, I can't speak for the specific, you know, organization that's putting out the information for sure, but, you know, my brain kind of goes down the path of, fo- of following the money and, you know, who funds these different entities that are, you know, conducting nutrition research, providing nutrition information to the public. Um, and, you know, I would suggest, you know, looking, looking around. You know, there are certainly organizations. I go to the American Institute for Cancer Research, which is a national nonprofit cancer charity that provides you know, funding for cancer research and education, specifically on the relationship of cancer to diet, physical activity, and body weight, and largely receives funding from individual donors, right? So not industry. And it recommends the following. So this is... Um, you know, directly from the, the, that organization from the um, American Institute for Cancer Research. They say make whole grains, vegetables, fruits, and pulses, such as beans and lentils, a major part of your normal diet. Scientific evidence shows that eating mostly plant-based foods, whole grains, vegetables, fruits, and beans plays a big role in preventing cancer and contributing to a healthier life.
1: Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's the important thing. I mean, more fruits, more vegetables, get that fiber in there, um, and get that, that animal protein, that fat and get that out, man. And you'll, you'll just do so better. I mean, today we're talking about cancer, but you know, this is probably for the podcast, I think it's show 365. And so, you know, we've covered so many different topics throughout the course of the years um, as far as what these healthier foods can do to reduce your risk of all kinds of chronic diseases. Today, I'm as excited about that today as I, I was on day one of when we first started the show. Um, I want to give a quick shout out to Dave here. Uh, Dave just posted in the chat that he's been doing a whole food plant-based diet for just over two months, says he's feeling so much better. He's no longer eating meat. He's really cut down the fat, feeling really good. He says that he has already lost 20 pounds. Dave, that is fantastic, man. I love to hear that. Congratulations on all of your success so far and everything that's still to come, man. Keep us posted, Dave. That's fantastic news. Um, Karen, all of these plant foods that you're talking about, what do they have in common? Fiber. They all have fiber in it. Blair, when it comes to cancer, Blair is wondering how important is fiber in cancer prevention?
0: Extremely important, you know, uh, certainly for cancer prevention and for so many other things. Um, each of which, you know, Chuck, I feel like we could make an entire, you know, topic of, of a podcast episode. Um, but to be brief, you know, some of the ways in which fiber is helpful for reducing cancer risk, one is that fiber feeds our healthy gut microbes. And I know recently you've had, you know, several physicians on, you had Dr. Uh, Chuck Can, Dr. Frosty, you've, you know, Dr. Dr. B is a, a, a monthly guest, right, all talking about the importance of fiber for heat for feeding our healthy gut microbes, you might be thinking, well, why is that important for preventing cancer? And research shows, you know, people with cancer have an out of balance uh, gut microbiome or dysbiosis. And so that, you know, in order to foster that healthy gut that we that we want that's going to help with our immune function and just keeping us healthy in general. The diet is, or that fiber is really, really important to feeding those gut microbes. Um, Secondly, a diet uh, high in fiber is also helpful for weight management. And obesity is a real, real big um, concern and risk factor for numerous, like, 13 types of, of cancers, at least, um, you know, how obesity, uh, is significantly increases the risk of, and, you know, choosing these whole plant foods will not only, you know, help people achieve a healthier weight that also is going to in turn reduce their risk of cancer. Um, In addition, fiber is what helps move waste through and out of our digestive tract, which is especially important for reducing colon cancer risk. And in that process of moving waste out of our Digestive system, um, you know, certain hormones, excesses of like estrogen, um, are going to be moved out of our bodies. And that can be really important for helping reduce breast cancer risk, as an example. Um, lastly, I'd say, you know, like you said, Chuck, fiber is found in all these wonderful plant foods that we are talking about. And they are exactly the foods that, you know, all of the evidence based cancer, um, research institutions who are putting out wonderful information on nutrition are saying, you know, make the majority of your diet, these whole plant foods.
1: All right. Now, uh, beans also have a lot of fiber and beans, beans good for the heart. But as you said earlier, also really good for reducing your risk of cancer. Let's take a question from Nicole though, who is wondering whether some beans might be more protective than others in this arena.
0: Yeah, I'd certainly give, um, a shout out to soybeans, right? That are absolutely associated with reduced risk of uh, breast cancer, breast cancer, and breast cancer recurrence. Um, and and otherwise, I'd say it's great to include a variety of beans and lentils in the diet, since uh, different varieties have slightly different nutrient profiles and antioxidants. And as you know, several of your recent guests talking about fiber. And gut health have have shared, you know, just in in very recent episodes that including at least 30 plants in your diet every week is a strategy for increasing the diversity of microbes in the in the gut. So, again, you know, try different ones out, include a variety. Um, You don't have to like everyone. There's so many options within that group of legumes that, you know, find a few or or many that work for you and and go from there.
1: Yeah, that's Dr. Megan Rossi, uh, who was here uh, on Monday's video, just released the audio on Tuesday's podcast. She just put out a book, How to Eat 30 Plants, and basically laid out uh, 30 plants per week and laid out how much easier it is than it sounds like. 30 just sounds like a really high number when you're getting started. But the fact of the matter is you can do it just probably in the first couple of days um, and without having to think too much about it. It's It's really a lot easier to do than you might imagine. Um, Follow up bean question here from Cindy, and this may be a level 201 or even a 301 level question. So um, feel free to uh, hit pause and and do a little research and we'll come back to it on a future episode. But Cindy at 1212 uh, said uh, regarding variety, I hear black beans come up as being really good for you along with garbanzo. Cindy says she tries to eat black beans the most, but she's wondering whether that could limit the benefits of other types of beans. So is there any kind of interaction or block that can happen there?
0: No, I'd say that this might be one of those questions where I'm like, again, zoom out, look at the big picture, right? Um, I, I I don't know what uh, Cindy has heard about, you know, black beans and garbanzo beans in particular. I'm thinking, you know, knowing black beans are quite high in, in um, antioxidants, maybe that's one of the things. Um, But no, like, if the question is, like, is eating more of, you know, a couple of types of foods within a category taking away from others? Not necessarily, you know, it really is about all the other foods that you're eating in the day too. Like, are you including A variety of whole grains? Um, Do you have a large portion of fruits and vegetables in your diet? And when I say large, like I, you know, my personal recommendation is for people to aim for at least 10, you know, 10 different fruits and vegetables a day. Um, And so all of those things, right? Again, you don't necessarily have to have, you know, huge variety within all of them, you could still easily get to 30 plants in a week, even if you're favoring, you know, two or three different legumes.
1: That variety, spice of life, key to health too. How about that? Uh, Let's uh, take a question from Jill Russell at 1215. This actually may win the award for a question of the day. Jill Russell, I've heard that barbecuing and grilling meat leads to cancer. Does the same effect happen though, when you're barbecuing tofu or veggie burgers or veggie hot dogs?
0: So the heterocyclic amines that I was talking about earlier that are formed, um, are, are not formed, uh, in, in plant foods. Um, they are formed only in, you know, in, in muscle tissue in animal foods. So you don't have to worry about those being created. Um, when you are grilling, uh, your vegetables.
1: Shout out to Marlon says, uh, they're checking in from the Philippines. Okay. International feel again. How about this for breakfast? I eat raw minced garlic before breakfast every day and then wash it down with warm lemon water. Would it, it, Does garlic often wind up on your breakfast menu, Karen? <laughs>
0: Be quite honest. Um, not on my breakfast menu. I guess maybe now I could, since I'm doing all my work, you know, via telehealth. Uh, but in the past, I feel like I probably would have been scared to, to face my patients, um, you know, at nine o'clock in the morning after after eating a bu- bunch of garlic. Um, uh, but that's awesome! Like fantastic! What a great way to start to start your day for sure. Maybe I. Maybe I have it in my breakfast when I make a tofu scramble. It's definitely in that, but not not in my smoothie. <laughs> like
1: raw minced garlic. It's either like you press the garlic clove or you go and you get the minced garlic that you've bought uh, from the store and you take a spoonful of it. I mean, that is a commitment to garlic.
0: I love garlic. And yeah, I'm like that, that takes it up a notch for sure.
1: (laughs) Not just a notch. I mean, you're you're like two, three notches. I mean, that's a good you don't need coffee if you're going with the raw garlic first thing. My goodness gracious. Um, I don't know where to go from there. uh, Other than to take a question from Robin. Uh, This is an interesting one that we have honestly, I don't think ever covered on the show. Uh, Robin wants to know whether a lack of calcium in the diet can increase the risk of cancer.
0: A lack of calcium. Um, So, again, there's not there's not a causal relationship. Um, There's some evidence suggesting reduced cancer risk in individuals with higher calcium intake. Certainly, vitamin D plays an important role, Um, and I would say that. yeah, and like on a plant based diet specifically, like, okay, let's make sure, of course, it's very important to get enough calcium. And so, again, going for those, some of those foods that I said I would list on my, you know, if I had to make a check off sheet of the foods I'd include to um, prevent, reduce cancer risk, things like kale, um, your collard greens, mustard greens, uh, turnip greens, all of those dark green leafy vegetables, with the exception of um, a few that are higher in oxalates, like um, spinach and and Swiss chard and beet greens, the calcium in those is is not as well absorbed. Um, And then again, beans provide some calcium, molasses. People out there like molasses um that that's one you know if you want to call it a sweetener i don't think it particularly tastes very sweet Um, but that has some minerals including calcium in it as do fresh oranges and really um, you know all plant foods are going to have small amounts and throughout the day having a variety Um, but i'd say especially making sure you're getting in those dark green leafy vegetables it's a good good strategy to get adequate calcium
1: Global Health. Some more. Kim here is checking in from Jerusalem today. Uh, Kim, thanks for watching. And that's amazing. Um, Karen, I wanna get real. This is a really big question from uh, Yanagi here at 1216. And this is something maybe a lot of people are wondering about. Uh, she says, my mother battled breast cancer and lost one of her breasts. She doesn't want to change her diet though to whole food plant-based. And she even thinks I'm abusing my child by not giving him meat and eggs. What can I do? Mm, that's a tough one. That is so tough.
0: That is. I mean, I, I like feel for you because I'm sure, as a daughter myself, you know, obviously, like wanting, you know, my mother, if I was in her, in, in your shoes, to um, prevent cancer recurrence and wanting to share this information that is so powerful and, you know, is going um, to potentially make a huge difference and having that not be received, I can imagine would be really challenging. And at the same time, it's, um, you know, one of the, the things that I've learned from a mentor of mine, wonderful Howard Jacobson, is, and, and is that um, people don't resist change. They resist being changed and so providing information in a way that allows that person to um be open to it when 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 they're ready in their time and continuing on your path of setting the example of knowing that what you are doing is absolutely healthy and the best choice for your family and for for your child children um and yeah, you know, just having the confidence in that what you are doing for yourself and your family is is right, and hopefully, in seeing your example and with offering the information and perhaps just putting it out there that you know when she is ready to discuss it, you you are there for her to have the conversation.
1: So, take a, it's a question from Rose. I know that uh, you don't like to zero in on specific foods; you like to take kind of that bigger picture approach. Um, and we have talked about uh, beans. Uh, a lot, but what about some other kind of legumes here, things like lentils and Rose is also wondering about grains, what kind of protection do those two foods offer?
0: Oh, lots. Yeah. I mean, they are, you know, if you haven't guessed already, I love talking about beans, but certainly lentils <laughs> throw them into that category. I mean, personally, I love lentils even more because they are, uh, well, maybe not more, but I love cooking red lentils. Um, I think they're amazingly delicious. They cook so quickly, right, from dried. Um, And they're so inexpensive, as are are dried beans too. Um, But certainly whole grains, I love, you know, talking about them because they're so overlooked uh, in the U.S. diet. And both of these food categories, the legumes, the whole grains, um, are you know, some of the highest sources of fiber for sure. Right. If you're just thinking, well, I eat a lot of fruits and veggies and I hear that a lot from people I work with and, you know, we're talking about increasing fiber. It it can still be, um, you know, a bit challenging to get what I recommend as far as your, your fiber intake goes without including these whole grains and legumes in your diet, because they are really packed. So full of, of that in particular, Um, and, you know, one of the recommendations of the American Institute for Cancer Research is to eat whole grains and or legumes at every meal, Chuck, every meal. How many people in, in, in this country are doing that? And and abroad, you know, for all of our, for our international watchers, too, how many people are eating whole grains and or legumes every single meal?
1: I mean, I would venture to say it's not a very high number. Uh, sadly, I would honestly venture to say that. Um, but international real quick, we have time for uh, just a little bit more here. International flair, uh, Rolf in Colombia checking in. Hello, sir. And, uh, Shyama from South Africa also joining us live here. I mean, the, the time difference, I mean, it's just gotta be amazing. Uh, that's, that's so incredible that you guys are, are carving out a little bit of your day to be here with us. And, uh, Oh, boy. Salad Strong Soprano, who I'm guessing is a plant-based singer. Uh, get this, Karen. My mother also ate raw garlic, and there were many conversations about her breath. No surprise <laughs> there. None whatsoever. <laughs> My goodness. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, just raw garlic, and that's – I mean, it's it's healthy. But, man, I mean, you really got to be around the ones that you love who are going to tolerate that, right? Yeah, and,
0: you know, maybe that was a way to, to- – You know, just really connect with the people that you love most in your life and and keep some other people at a distance.
1: Maybe, maybe maybe that's the smart play when you just want to be left alone, you know, eat a spoonful of garlic, minced garlic before you leave the house. Oh man. Uh, Classic. Okay. Uh, Last question here. We have a couple of people wondering about eggs and whether there is a connection between uh, cancer there. A lot of people still believe that eggs are part of a healthy diet. We know that's not necessarily the case for a multitude of reasons, but specific to cancer. What do we know? If anything.
0: Yeah. So again, you know, we're taking that bigger picture approach and knowing that, you know, all animal protein, um, you know, has been shown to increase cancer risk and mortality. Eggs would be included in that category. Um, something else about eggs is that they're rich in choline and choline, you know, as it's getting digested uh, causes, the our gut microbes to, um, create TMAO, which is a compound that is inflammatory, um, and has been shown to, um, you know, promote this inflammation in our body. So, um, you know, certainly I am encouraging people to get eggs out of their diet. They are animal protein, um, and, you know, not part of when, we're, again, we're taking that big picture approach, it, it really is about two things. It's not just about the removal of um, animal-based foods. We know that that's helpful and eggs would fall in that category. And at the same time, um, really making those whole plant foods be predominantly what is on our plate at every single meal.
1: You know, the most incredible thing is happening, Karen, the more that we talk about the international flair that the show has today, uh, the more people are coming out of the woodwork, the more exam roomies are sharing where they're watching from today, uh, Cinzia is in Rome. That's awesome. And uh, Marion is in Ireland, uh, where uh, they say it's 540 right now, PM. So dinner and a show, maybe. I think that that's kind of what's going on here. Uh, that's that's fantastic. So many great countries, and I promise you, keep keep them coming, and we're going to get everybody shout outs in future episodes. I think that this is going to become a recurring thing because, I mean, the the need for nutrition knowledge and improved health, it is definitely not limited to the United States. This is a global impact that we're having here, Karen.
0: Absolutely. I love it.
1: Thank you so very much for being here and helping to raise our health IQs.
0: Absolutely. Thanks so much, Jeff.
1: You know, Karen is not just a fantastic guest here on the exam room. She is very much also a dietitian at the Barnard Medical Center, which is powering this episode of the podcast. The primary care clinic in Washington, D.C. practices lifestyle medicine and promotes plant-based nutrition with both in-person visits and telemedicine in 18 states. Visit barnardmedical.org or call the BMC at 202-527-7500 to learn more. And there is a link for you right now in the episode notes. I just want to take a second to talk about the fantastic time that we had at the International Conference on Nutrition and Medicine last week. I met so many wonderful exam roomies over the course of those three days, including some who had transformed their lives after hearing an episode of the show. David Gnu flew all the way to Washington DC from Kenya for the conference. And until nine months ago, David could barely lift a piece of paper because of an unbearable case of rheumatoid arthritis. For 20 years, David suffered until his wife discovered the episode with Dr. Monica Agarwal, where she and I were talking about her extraordinary transformation, how she was able to reclaim her life after also struggling for years with RA. And so after watching the episode, in just about nine months, David's 20-year struggle has come to an end. And to see him today, to see him at the conference, you would never know that he was ever even sick. You would have no clue of the pain that he was in. You just would never know. And so he was so excited that he even called his wife who was back in Kenya while I was standing with him. And I had the opportunity to talk to her for a little bit. And let me tell you, if you thought David was excited, she is so thrilled to have her husband back. And so now David's dream is to go back to his home country of Ghana and open a lifestyle medicine clinic there and pay forward everything that he has learned help everyone else out along the way. That's what this show is about. I also met an amazing couple from the Atlanta area, Sheila and her husband PB. So I want to say hi to them and that I can't wait to share your story with the rest of the exam roomies. So that's coming very soon. And PB, he's just a chip off the old weight loss block. And it all started a few years ago when Sheila sent a question into the doctor's mailbag. So that really is the power of the show. It's not just a show. It's hope and it's inspiration and it's the opportunity for people to learn what they need to know in order to get their life back, improve their health. And so we are changing lives, and it is truly an honor that you are part of this journey to make the world a healthier place. So let's continue that mission together. We need your help in order to help others. So one of the easiest things that you can do if you haven't already done so is take a moment to please subscribe to the exam room podcast by the physician's committee on Apple podcast or on Spotify, wherever you get your shows. And when you do, please also leave a five star rating and a nice review. Every five star rating, every nice review, every new subscription truly does make it easier for those who need this information the most to find it. People like David, people like PB, so let's pay it forward to help those who need it the most. And for today, that is going to wrap things up. I wanna say thank you one more time to Karen Smith for being here and helping to raise our health IQs and lower our risk of cancer. And for everyone here at the Physicians Committee, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening. And remember, as always, keep it plant-based.